Welcome back to the Secret Society of Success. In this not-so-secret podcast, we explore the changing landscape of corporate learning and development so that you can bring successful L&D to your organizations. Here in season three, we're taking on a very hot and controversial topic, generative artificial intelligence. In each episode, we'll be talking to different L&D experts about what generative AI is, how it is already being deployed for learning design and administration today, and frankly, whether or not you should be scared. Oh, by the way, we use ChatGPT to write this intro. Hey, Sarab, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we dive too deep into our conversation today, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, your background? Yeah, so I'm Saurabh. I am currently the co-founder of Uplimit. We just changed our name from Uplimit to Corise. So if you've heard of us as Corise before, um, and we're like a startup that's about like two years old now. But prior to that, by way of background, I was an early engineer at Coursera, kind of did everything on the engineering side that kind of was required for the product, um, learned a ton. And then took a detour, went to Google Research, primarily working on AI research and some of the applications that you see today, but felt very compelled to come back to education um, and startups. So excited to be back in that land with Uplimit. That's awesome. Thanks. So, I mean, at a high level, you've been working in development and engineering in both education and then specifically Google in, in the AI space. Yeah, really, really focused. What what inspired you with those two experiences to start CoRise? So what inspired us was like, so if you look at like education traditionally, there is like content that you're teaching. And then there is like a lot of services that are involved. So these can be like, how do you give feedback to learners? How do you like answer student questions? How do you like create content? How do you like generate checks for understanding? All these pieces that were like kind of slightly harder to scale. And what made learning special was this like motivational human connection aspect. And 2012, when we started like working on online education, like the trade-off we had to make was things that were scalable stayed and things were that were not that scalable kind of were like pushed a little bit to the side. Yeah. And so that's why you like saw a ri- lot of rise of like content as the key thing that was like defined as learning. So this would be like rise of content libraries. And obviously there are like certain fraction of people who are extremely successful with that model. But over time, if you fast forward time, like 12 years, you see that there's like tons of content available now. But like there is this interesting opportunity with like generative AI to rethink a lot of the services components that came with education that make education like very meaningful and interesting. So how can you give feedback to every learner in a very personalized manner? Can you like create content for every learner in a very personalized manner? Can you like answer student questions? Can you create content like 100x faster? We felt like there was like a leap that needed to be had in education overall. We're still focused on adult education as a space, but if you like extrapolate that to like higher ed, there's like, can we make a real dent in like cost of college or things like that? So felt like the two 
worlds I had been part of could intersect in like a unique way in like the world we're in today now, where there's like a lot of change happening. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it it sounds like it was a uh, you know kind of uh, experience meets a market opportunity um, meets something that you know I think you were you were motivated to do. I, I really like the way that you describe what um, you know the way to look at education, right? So there's like this there was this rise of, of focusing on content and content being the key to education, but there's all these other services that it you know an educational or learning provider actually brings to the table in order to even be able to deliver the content. Um, And and I think the interesting thing is how well you, you noted that the thing that makes it special is actually the, the, the human interaction, right? Like it's what the human is able to bring to that learning experience in the form of the content feedback, check in some of the other things that you highlighted, you know, and I think you're, you're probably right. Right. In the, in the time that we're in now with, the capabilities around generative AI, there, there's probably an opportunity to allow uh, trainers to spend even more time on sort of what is special by, you know, spending less time on other things. You, know, you mentioned scale a lot. I'd love to get into in a little bit more detail how, you know, as an expert with generative AI, sort of how that solves for scale. Um, before we do, let's let's set a groundwork. So like from your perspective, you know, like what, what is generative AI and why should educators not be horrified and shaking in their boots? Okay, so is the world shifting and changing? 100%, right? And we would be in denial and change is hard. Like change is hard no matter who you are, where you are. Traditionally, what we used to call AI was, think of it as a pattern recognition problem where every time someone did this, I like predict this. And what was like the realm of options you predicted on was kind of defined. So think of it as like when I call an Uber, I know the price can be from $0 to $1,000. Nobody's taking an Uber that's more than $1,000. At least I don't know of anyone yet. (laughs) Um, So you kind of knew the universe of predictions. So let's say, but now with generative AI, you go to ChatGPT and you say, write an email to Catherine talking about XYZ and inviting her to the party on Saturday. Then like that email has never been written before. So what the model is outputting is something very unique and new. And that is why we call it like kind of like a shift in like what we can do because there's like, it's kind of generating something that it didn't got exposed to in the past. What it's still doing internally is what it's learning is given these words, what is the next word? And it's kind of like generalized saying, like when people talk about like an email, it's kind of roughly the structure. When people say like this reference, like question to me, I can kind of like patch this answer here. But underlying the model's core job is to given a set of words, predict the next word. So now where like we, I think like, I still feel like there's an opportunity with AI to think about how do you elevate yourself to the most strategic, higher value work in some sense, where like what makes teaching or learning special for anyone is the moments you have with other humans where it's like motivational, it feels like feels like personal, it feels like somebody like had like a life-changing impact on you. 
but there is a lot of like logistics work we are used to doing okay so take an example right say like you're a fifth grade teacher the questions you answer in year 1 very likely very same to the questions you answer in year 3 but the current system doesn't propagate like work you have done last year to this year like maybe you wrote a guide maybe you wrote yeah. some explainers but generally like there's a lot of information loss year to year year to year or class um, to class or cohort to cohort as a platform helps you run like live experiences at scale so yeah. this can be like inside the company you doing onboarding this can be like customer education this can be you like leveraging some of the courses we have on the platform yeah and um so like if you've done the work once we don't want you to do the work again like we want to make sure that this is getting easier for you so that you can think about like how do i make this course more richer are there like more interesting topics to be included how do i focus on every student in a more interesting manner so i think it's like for me it is like we will shift roles to more strategic roles and also to what makes us more human and those both seem like positive outcomes like yeah for sure yeah i think so too and i i appreciate the you know it's helpful to get a background from someone who's you know worked in it right and lived in it before and i think that that hopefully helps bring barriers down for our audience in terms of understanding where where this fits for them as a tool and 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 i i love your takeaway of of you know what it enables uh a a teacher a learner a trainer an instructor to do which is really scale themselves right try to uh, use this tool so that you do not need to repeat work or spend the same amount of time doing work that you historically have done so that you could take that time and spend it on the more strategic valuable exercises allowing you to work spend more time working on the important and less time working on the urgent i'd like to understand how you guys are using it ai at scale right so um why if you could why don't you walk me through uh, you know a specific course that you guys build i think when we were preparing we talked about a course that you guys have building on building ai products for software engineers you know paint the picture walk me through the background of what that what that course looks like and how it's run and and the resources you guys use to run that course today Yeah no that the great example and this like the class you mentioned is in collaboration with like OpenAI on like basically how to educate more people to like come into the AI space so let's take like life cycle of a course as like a our starter example so the first phase generally for anything is like creating content and where today like people like sort of try to think about is like first order effects like i can ask it to write an outline for me i can ask it to write a section for me but imagine if you extrapolated that to like what we are like pushing towards is like you tell us what course you want and like if you have some seed material you can give us that and then we can get you to like an 80% solid first draft where the entire course is laid out for you like it comes with like a ton of like checks for understanding it turns comes with like educational video content video images whatever you need and those are like kind of like auto generate so it like is a seamless experience that gets as a first draft now where like we think it's strategic for humans to get involved is like adding in personal nuggets adding in stories when i was like here like this happened like if i'm teaching a class on ai often times i'm like 
back in the day when I did this job, I did this. And that's what like actually the audience finds extremely meaningful. Then like there is the part of creating content. Then there's part of like delivery where if you think about delivery, what was like, I could give content out to people, but then there is interesting things around like, how do you scale like personalized nudging? How do you nudge every person? Like, how do you make sure that every person can get feedback on the things they're submitting? How do you make sure that everybody's getting their questions answered? So we have this tool called Cobot, which is kind of think of it as like a AI teaching assistant, where what it does is it's good at answering questions that might be about the class. It'll like exactly cite references from the course content. It has it'll like send you personalized nudges, it'll send you reminders, it'll like, if you miss the lecture, it like knows that you missed the lecture and it'll send you an automated message saying, here's the recording. So it kind of like offloads a lot of work that you do with yeah. this like one character that is kind of like doing work in the background for you. We, for like numbers, we ran this class with over 6,000 people and the instructors were mostly just doing the live teaching. So think about like in a typical L&D role, that would be like the SME time. And then there was like one course manager and a couple of TAs. So like overall, I would say like 6,000 people with like 12 to 15 human hours for like the entirety of a week. So it's just like there is so much we can like offload to AI in like interesting manner. This was the largest class we've ever run. So we learned a lot and we also like, there are obviously things that we want to improve, but we do see that we can make a, like an order of magnitude leap where like the first classes we ran were like 30, 40 people. Then we tried like a hundred people class. Then we tried like a 500 people class. And this was like the biggest we've tried to date. How many people were supporting this? Like, so, five people in like the overall team, but two people are just subject matter experts doing like one hour of live lecturing. Then there are three human like course manager TAs who are basically like working with the AI to assist them. And you can imagine they spent like 10 hours total combined. Yeah. And then what's the, talk to me about the course itself, right? So what is it? What's the, what's the structure of the course? How long does it take? We can, it's a week and a half milestone where you build like a real world project. So the project in the class is, let's say I subscribe to my favorite podcast. Oftentimes I miss episodes. So it automatically listens for like the podcast releasing a new episode, creates a summary, writes a newsletter, email for me and says, this was the speaker. This was what they talked about. Here are key takeaways. If you want to listen to it, go here. Like, so it like, I can do that for like either YouTube channels where I'm subscribed to like 20 YouTube channels and don't watch everything they post. I would love to like get like a two minute summary before I decide if I want to watch this or not. So that was kind of like the goal for the students and people went very creative and like thinking about like, how do they like auto connect with like other podcast tools or like, can they spread this across YouTube, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. And so obviously with that, like a lot of questions and come up, et cetera. So, but there is where we lean a lot on AI plus like a community experience. Since we are cohort, there's like a rich community there that can answer. So we think about like, how does AI work in tandem with this like community aspect of learning? Yeah. Let's go back. And I think you addressed this already, but 
in the design phase of the course. So this is now the biggest one you've run. There were 6,000 people. In the design phase, this team of five uh, people, two are the main lecturers, yeah, then there's a, the three assistants. You know, where did they inject themselves? And then where did they let AI, you know, get them that first 80%? Um, talk to me about from this, the content design for the for the week-long course, week and a half long course. Yeah. So in general, how we think of this is like you never start from scratch. Like it's very hard to stare at a blank piece of paper. So you basically start with this like first draft. Then what you're doing is you're checking like you're kind of like reading and personalizing it to your like personality and tone a little bit where like, hey, I want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. Or maybe I can like paraphrase what the AI wrote here. So imagine you got like an 80% draft and then you were like playing more of the editor role rather than the writer role. Yeah. So it's like a elevation from the writer to the editor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, from an, from a design perspective, right? It, you know, so let's say 100%, uh, there's 100% of the time that it took this group of five people that would, you know, normally, you know, whatever, 10 years ago, build this course. I mean, you're probably talking about weeks. So not normally, like two, two and a half years ago, when I was manually writing a course, it would take around like 12 weeks to create like a three-week class. Like I yeah. am not the fastest writer, um, things like that. And I like would like write, rewrite, get like writer's block, things like that. Now, oh, when are. I'm editing, it is so much faster. And like I get the first draft in like five minutes. And then I'm like, oh, I kind of like the structure makes sense. I don't want this. I'm just like kind of like shuffling things around yep. and like saying like, oh, I want to paraphrase this. I can still use the AI to paraphrase it. So right. it's like um, even in the editing experience, there's like a lot of AI opportunity, but it kind of shrinks the time from like 12 weeks to like kind of getting ready in like less than a week, even with like, oh, I want to like change things so you definitely have like an order of magnitude leap there and it yeah i would say 12 weeks to one weeks is definitely an order of magnitude and now a message from mimeo your podcast sponsor joe sittler kept working past 8 p.m on friday nights as sales development manager at spring venture group he was responsible for training hundreds of new salespeople every month on up-to-date customized training materials the problem was that his local printer couldn't handle all his document updates. For each batch of new hires, he had to spend hours emailing the printer about which pages needed to be replaced. Worse, he had to place his order at least a week in advance, meaning that sometimes he sent his new hires outdated information. That's when Joe found Mimeo. Now he creates workbooks nearly twice the size at half the price of his previous vendor. The best part? Joe's new hires order their workbooks directly from Mimeo for delivery to their doorsteps, taking all the hassle of shipping out of Joe's hands. His Friday nights are finally free. Read Joe's full story at bit.ly slash mimeoprint or call 901-566-8900 to speak to a rep today. That's bit.ly forward slash M-I-M-E-O-P-R-I-N-T. And now back to your episode. So, okay. So from just focusing on on, on the areas where 
the people delivering the course in your platform or using AI, we probably went from, let's just say as an example, we went from a 12-week period to a one-week period for content generation, right? Building the course outline, building all the content. And the reason for that is because you, you know, you let AI get you to 80% and you spend the time on the remaining 20%, rounding out the edges, adding the right contextual components. I thought that was a huge takeaway earlier that you mentioned, right? Um, adding in those last that last 20% where you're giving examples, you're telling stories, you're adding in things that can contextualize the, the general content, but make it specific to the audience or to what's relevant to them at that moment which in my experience is often when some of the best learning takes place, right? So really, you're, you know, in terms of content creation, uh, you're enabling the team to, to produce the same output probably in you know one-twelfth of the time, essentially with the math that we just covered, but also probably as we're potentially even more effective because that one-twelfth of the time that's being spent is really being spent on that, that last 20 to 25% of the content where you know, it probably resonates most with the audience. I think that's uh, the other thing is like you don't have the fatigue of the eleven weeks. Like, yes, yeah, it's a great uh, point. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Whatever you're outputting in week eleven and twelve is not nearly as good as it was in week one and two. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. In this class, in particular, right? There's this. There's this rather large project. There's some administrative burden involved in most classes, right? Like yeah. making sure the people are there, that they have the right access to the right information, that they're in the right groups. You said you guys use communities and things like that. So where where did this team of five leverage it? We are, where do they insert themselves and where do they leverage AI as it relates to like the administrative parts of the class? So let's think about it. So let's start with like traditionally when you wanted to do like a live teaching experience, you would have like caps of like 30 people, 50 people, because beyond that, the administration of, did someone get a calendar? Did someone find a Zoom? They are, everybody asking, where's the recording? Can you send me the recording? Can do the recording? Yeah. Um, too hard. And these were like, so we kind of built guardrails on, I'm not going to do this for more than 50 people. Now, if you take the system, basically is automatically figuring out is the event on everybody's calendar is like if they miss the live session, are they getting like a personalized message saying, here's the recording? Is the recording coming with like very naturally like spliced up where you are saying like here in this chunk, the instructor talks about this part. So people are like having a much easier experience like watching the recording itself. Then the student has a question somewhere, but the question could have answered been answered in the lecture live. It could have been answered in the content. It could have been answered previously in the community itself. So the AITA can pick up like all the information that is being created and say, oh, I know how to answer this. If I don't know how to answer this, it's the it's surfacing the 10% of questions it can't answer to the TA saying, hey, can you answer this one? Like, I don't know yet. So if you teach me how to answer this one now, I'll like learn it for the future. Um, and then so it can handle like both logistics questions. So kind of like as well as like academic questions, which is very interesting in the sense that like the logistic questions actually are like kind of equal part compared to academic questions that come up in yeah. like a large classroom. Um, and then I think what you want is the AI to not jeopardize community. 
So if people are like talking to each other, people are having a rich discussion, we make the AI pull back on saying like, hey, if like Tom and Jonathan are talking, don't intervene because like that's a much richer like human experience. And I think that's where like where today you could imagine going much further, like where how you think about like AI's involvement in the live session itself. How do you think about like like when you run the class again, what does the AI carry over? But also knows that the logistics have changed. So the answer of the logistics question last time is not the answer of the logistics question this time around. So there's like just being like aware of where in the class people are, who has gotten stuck where, like let's say people like have asked like they're doing a check for understanding, they've gotten it twice wrong. Can you surface the right hint for them? Like how we've historically done it is we simplify the questions we asked, which is like generally multiple choice so that you could hard code the hint. That right. was like the pattern. But can you do the same for like an open-ended question and say like, hey, give feedback. This is the desired outcome. So we right now have the system. We can give you a hint on like an open-ended programming question. So people can make this mistakes in like hundreds of ways and we can still like automatically surface you the right hint as a learner because that kind of unblocks you and makes you more likely to succeed. Like people get frustrated and drop off and can you like proactively catch them? And then I think the last piece is like, how do you check in on students? Who do you check in on? How do you like nudge people to like make them aware? Those are all places where in a 6,000 people classroom, that would be impossible to scale without like AI and like a ton of like automation. I love them. There's so much in there. I love that. As it relates to the logistics, I think you're right. Like I think the, you said it perfectly in the beginning, right? If you think, you know, if, if you try to think about the logistics associated with organizing an audience of 6,000 people to get them in the right place, to know where they are, to minimize the questions about the technology not working in the first 35 to 40 seconds of the class. That's why you were, you know, as you said, traditionally limited with class sizes that usually max somewhere between 30 and 50. And you don't, you never see that anywhere. And I think, you know, the obvious scale, right, that, that AI is able to deliver is increasing the size of the audience that, that you can serve. Important to keep in mind is like, like you could counter by saying like, Hey, if I just put it on YouTube, it's infinitely scalable. Like a million people can watch it together. But then you want the engagement of the 20 person classroom to be the same as the 6,000 people classroom. So how do you oh. keep the bar high on the engagement and like pedagogy metrics or like the learning success while like scaling is I think like where I think there's opportunity because like almost like YouTube video is the most scalable format. Whatever Baby Shark has been watched like nine billion times. So, <laughs> yeah, no, but you're right, right? I think that the, where the gap here, where, where the gap you're trying to bridge is how do you scale the the interactive classroom experience, yeah. right? And that that's really what you what up limit, but I think where the opportunity lies for anybody in the learning and development space is to replicate the experience that it really does make an impact and makes a difference for your learners of that live live facilitated experience but start to 
be able to deliver that at a scale that was just previously unimaginable, right? Two things Uh I would add to that is like, if you're a learning and development leader, like the two problems you run into often are resources you have on your team. (laughs) There's never enough resources to go around. And some of the side effects of that is that you create exclusivity unintentionally for like the learning experience you can provide to people. So like when you coach every manager in the organization is like much harder and like every, you can coach every employee in the organization on AI. Right now, I'm sure there's like a lot on people's minds around that, but being able to scale effectively has been like a challenge. And that's where we felt like that was like an interesting area of work. Yeah. So Rob, that's, that totally resonates. We, for many years, uh, Mimia would put together a state of learning and development survey. Almost every year, uh, one of the most consistent challenges for learning and development leaders, uh, you know, professionally speaking, is that they are under-resourced, under-resourced in some way, whether that's underfunded or a smaller team size, you know, they don't, the, the, the resources they're given in an organization to drive an impact do not equate to the size of the audience or the size of the problem they're trying to solve. Right. Um, and I think the exciting thing, if, if I'm a learning and development leader listening to this is that, you know, the primary takeaways that I'm hearing for them is that tools like Uplimit and generative AI in general is something that will allow you to scale yourself, right? That's the first thing we talked about by spending, you know, less time on on tasks and and elevating yourself to spending time on the more strategic tasks, like the example of, you know, using a generative AI to generate 80% of your content, spending the rest of the time on the 20% and being that much more effective because you're not beaten down from spending 12 weeks on that one course outline, right? So you could scale yourself. You can also scale your audience, right? Um, You could scale the size of the audience that you're able to support in a classroom session like you're talking about in this 6,000 learner example, because practically you can, because you have a tool that can help out with making sure the right people are in the right place. I think one couple of things I would add there is like, the thing is we're also in this unique situation now with learning and development where the roles of everybody in the organization are changing. Like how marketers did marketing pre-generative AI is going to look a little bit different from how marketers did do marketing with generative AI. Yeah. Like how many, like how many unique assets can you create? How what levels of personalization can you create? How do software engineers work? How do sales teams work? And there's just going to be implications. How do you measure for performance when say like 80% of the code is being written for you. Like, how are you evaluating a software engineer then? So they're also suddenly on the hook for supporting all these roles in the other organization that they support to be able to make that leap. So the expectations are higher. The resources are still lower. And I think that's where we think it's like, we have to all collectively get creative. Yeah. on like how do we solve these problems right like it's like we're like one example but there's just like a lot of creativity needed in figuring out like highest impact highest roi based of doing things yeah yeah if there's a one sentence takeaway that i think our audience can have uh in terms of why 
they should be figuring out how to leverage generative AI and tools like Uplimit. It's because it will exponentially increase the total business impact that they can have, right? I mean, practically speaking, if you can increase the amount of content that you generate because you're spending one twelfth of the time generating it, and you can increase the size of the audience that you can effectively serve because you know the logistical components are are brought down. But you can do that while maintaining an environment that allows you to have feedback, have prompts, and have an awareness of where your audience is and help guide them through an experience that still feels like that you know special human interaction where there is a true learning moment that you can create. You know, the scale of the business impact that a learning and development professional can have when leveraging generative AI tools versus someone who is not, I mean, it's going to be orders of magnitude larger. One last thing I would love to plug in is like, we would love to continue the conversation and we run this like AI for learning and development course um, on Uplimit. That's a free course. It's mostly, it's done in partnership with Gary Villiard, who used to be the CLO at Visa and Jenny Dearborn, who used to be the CLO at SAP. And they're both phenomenal leaders who like talk about like how they have thought and like supported their organizations through technology shifts and like also just like kind of dive deeper into like some of the things we were touching upon. We'll definitely, Zarab, we'll definitely get that that uh, link from you and include it in our show notes so the audience can easily access that specific course and uh, and jump in and and learn a little bit more if they'd like to. Where can our where can our audience go if they want to learn more about you and more about Uplimit specifically? Where where's the best place to point them to? Where where can they get their uh, get more content from you guys? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever social media platform there is. I have an account <laughs> so you can find me there pretty easily. On Uplimit, this the best place to find us is uplimit.com/enterprise. That's the best place for um, anyone to like connect with us. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I think that there's you know a, a lot here. This is a obviously a very um, hot topic these days in all walks of life, but especially in learning and development. Um, and I think that there are some real you know key takeaways that our audience can have uh, that you know hopefully will make them think. Um, more seriously about using generative AI and and have some very specific ideas on where in their life they can use it uh, and what kind of impact it can have. So thank you for your expertise and your time. And, and we really appreciate you sharing what you shared today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to The Secret Society of Success, a podcast by Mimeo. To find out more about how corporate L&D teams use Mimeo for smarter content distribution, visit www.mimeo.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get our episodes as soon as they launch. Enjoy your day.